So, you know, everyone talks about the future and like thinking ahead and planning and all this, but it's literally like what you're doing right now that actually makes the future. So there you go. Hey everyone, you're listening to Hustle Harder, a podcast that gives a no bullshit approach to startups in the creative industries. We interview creatives while discussing the challenges and failures that come along with the day-to-day grind. Today, we're interviewing Daniel Francavilla, the founder and CEO of Now Creative, an agency that focuses on branding and content for startups, nonprofits, and the food and hospitality industry. Thanks for coming on board, Daniel. No problem. I'm really excited. I've been following your content for a while. <laughs> Thank you so much. Appreciate it. We love when people say that. It makes us feel like we're doing something meaningful. <laughs> <laughs> So we'd like to take a quick second to thank our fabulous sponsors, We Create Media. That's spelled with a K and a three, so make sure you check them out afterwards. They have been fantastic and have created our jingle and the music that you're listening to right now. So they're a pleasure to work with. Definitely people you want to check out if you're interested in producing media of your own. First off, how did you start Now Creative? Um, I started it as um, not intentionally as to build an agency. I started as a freelance graphic designer. Um, So I graduated from OCAD and I took on a lot of freelance projects and I was mostly doing design for really small, you know, um, organizations and individual entrepreneurs. And then um, a lot of them asked me about websites and then people started asking about social media. So um, eventually I compiled a team of um, basically contacts I had from school, people I had met um, through university at OCAD. And um, put together, you know, a team of freelancers and started taking on projects more and more. And I realized that in order to pitch for, you know, larger jobs, of course, it can't just be Daniel and crew. It should be, you know, an agency. Right. So we created the name Now Creative Group. And um, that was a really big you know, turning point, just just kind of branding the agency. Um, and then that was five years ago. Our anniversary is uh, June 2018. Wow, well, that's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, and how'd you kind of like pick and choose who you wanted to be in your company? Uh, my standards and my requirements um, have like varied dramatically over the course of the five years. Um, but at the very beginning, it was mostly based on, you know, who's actually available and who do I know does great work. Um, because, you know, at that point when your reputation doesn't exist yet, you know, you need to be reliable um, from day one. So that mm-hmm. was super important. But of course, I didn't have access to, you know, hiring the top talent because there was no budget for salaries at that point. Um, so so currently now um, we've done, you know, hiring through LinkedIn, through Indeed, stuff like that, a lot of referrals. And um, that's been great because I have the chance to bring people into our office and allow them to meet the team. And then we can see from there how good of a fit they are. Um, And that's super important um, in the creative space is being able to actually, you know, communicate and vibe with the rest of the team because ultimately your work's going to suck if you aren't on good terms with people uh, and you don't have that chemistry. So it's safe to say you're a culture fit and not a culture ad? Yeah, absolutely. Um, We actually used to partner on a few events about uh, company culture in the city and I learned a lot more insight from bigger brands about how crucial that is so you know usually for startups you can't do too much you're not going to have a director of culture you know if your team is 10 people or less but um, I think that I can see the value of that already. 
Definitely. Do you do anything uh, in your office environment that specifically stimulates that kind of creativity in your work? Well, what we try to do is um, be as flexible as possible. So myself, you know, one of the reasons I am an entrepreneur and not working a day job, uh, nine to five doing design work is because I want that flexibility and that creativity to be flowing. So we'll do things like um, if there's like a pop-up shop or an event or a giveaway or something happening in the area, um, we'll make sure that we can get up and go to that. Um, we'll also do a lot of things like, I don't know, the other day I bought like 10 boxes of popsicles and brought them into the studio cause it was one of the first hot days we That's had awesome. this year. Um, yeah. And then like, we're, we're always running to chat time, just kind of keeping things, you know, um, energetic and, and, you know, sugar levels up, um, which is also helpful too. Of course, sugar and caffeine. That's really what creative <laughs> is all about. Of yes. course. Um, and we, all, we also actually go to a lot of events, which is really helpful too. So, you know, we'll, we'll take turns with which team members come. Uh, it's also, you know, pretty long days when, you, when you're going to events all the time. In my first two or three years, almost every day I was at some type of event or meeting or something after, you know, after business hours, quote unquote. We try to limit that a little bit now, but um, I feel like, you know, going to those events as a team also solidifies our culture and our like, quote unquote, teamwork uh, in the community that we have. Do you find that events are better for lead generation than, you know, generally like cold emails or digital campaigns? Or would you say that they're about equal? Yeah, I, I think for us, it's been mostly events and networking. Um, that includes referrals, of course, outside of the events. But mm-hmm. for us, like we've gotten a lot better sorry not not a lot better necessarily but a lot higher volume of people who are interested from these events because you know especially when it's for startups or entrepreneurs like they see us as one we're approachable because a lot of the agencies uh, out there are you know kind of closed doors you can't really see what they're doing or you know you see their portfolio and all they have is um, these massive fortune 500 brands so you don't think that you can actually work with them so for us we try to show them like hey we help this person start from zero dollars for their crowdfunding campaign um, we can do the same with you and so that approachability helps us at events for sure and then of course um, we've been in some really cool situations where you know other people from our network are at those events and they're referring us to other people that don't know about us. So it's almost like that, um, yeah, that, that direct in-person referral is great. Um, the one challenge with events is that you can't really control who's going to be there. So, you know, if you're looking to work with people with X amount of budget and X team size, well, you, you know, they're not, you're not going to be able to filter them out in the room necessarily, right? So sure. um, now in year five, we're obviously looking for people beyond, you know, the, the solopreneur who has an idea. We're looking for people who have an idea, have a concept, and are looking to execute, right? So um, it's a little bit, you know, less effective to be at events every day, but um, I would not definitely not question the value of them that's amazing so like taking it back a bit um let's start from like the beginning of how you started like were there any like challenges along the way yeah i mean there's there's all kinds of challenges that you know i like to kind of sweep them under the rug and just keep going especially because i am the individual sole founder right so you know i don't have a co-founder to turn to and 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 talk these things through all the time so you know a lot of the day-to-day things um just kind of you know we go along with them we've had some challenges when it comes to clients that either weren't weren't a great fit in the first place or you know, didn't really understand the whole scope of the project. And that can actually, it can be fine when you start, but it actually can escalate into something horrible. And that could be, you know, that could have to do with how they're treating uh, my team members or, or you know, how their payment or non-payment happens, mm-hmm. right? So there's, there's issues that 
escalate. It's not like, you know, someone just came in and, and bombed our office, for example, but it's like they're slowly infiltrating until all of a sudden, you know, we realize this has a huge impact on the team and the project's not going well. So that that definitely happened um, a lot in the first um, few years because I was, you know, less about the process and more about um, the concepts and the ideas and the positive energy, right? So, you know, I'm a person that, that, thrives off of momentum and positivity. So that could, that you know that can only take you so far in a project that is 10 um, uh, levels deep of different deadlines and different team members and different deliverables and uh, you know eventually we we ended up um, I finally I hired a project manager um, who you know was at the time she was handling two or three other businesses and she basically like burnt out after a few weeks. And then one of my interns actually stepped up to fill in that gap of being our project manager, which she had to learn from scratch. She literally had one day of training, which was an overlap from the previous person who like passed out because she was too busy doing all these things running around the city. Long story short, um, she's now our full-time account manager and is like the face of the company who you know deals with all our major clients. And that has been um, a great way to avoid a lot of these you know escalations that can happen with clients. I assume you guys get like, a lot of business than before. How do you guys like kind of pick and choose what clients you want to work with? That is something like the last year and a half I've been trying very hard to pay attention to and focus on Mm -hmm. because a lot of times, sometimes I almost feel like we're not given that choice. They just kind of inject themselves into the the company by emailing and calling us and having a meeting. And then all of a sudden it's assumed that, hey, they're here. So are we going to work with them now? We're going to quote them now. Mm -hmm. There's not necessarily a point where you stop and decide hey, is this actually a good fit for us or not? So mm-hmm. what we did was we have our startup package, right? And we decided to divide that up where we have um, someone separate who's managing those projects. And if you're a startup package client and you know you want something super small that's a one-off um, or something that we don't necessarily do that's not in the package, we'll most likely refer you elsewhere or tell you to come back when you're ready. Um, So we set up that minimum threshold of this is the startup package, this is what it includes, this is the flat price. And um, so that helps to filter out some people that aren't necessarily a great fit or they're not ready. Uh, And then with the larger clients, we're able to choose based on, you know, is this a client who we have direct access to? Are there like two or three levels of communication that might, you know, in, in my experience, sometimes that speeds up the project uh, in terms of the communication day to day, but it actually doesn't benefit in the long run because you can find out after three months of working on something that the person at the top never approved it, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's not cool because there's different people in the way who are this. They're just trying to do their job. They're just trying to, you know, keep their bosses happy. But in the end, um, the product suffers and it's not a good situation. So, um, so for us, that's that's one of the things that you know we try to look at um, in advance. When you first started, did you ever secure any funding, or was it all just grassroots bootstrapped? Um, yeah, it was. So for me, it was 100% bootstrapped because, like I said, I didn't intend to start the agency um, as I did. So yeah. I pretty much was a grad from OCAD. Um, I moved back home after OCAD for about a year. That's when I was freelancing. Um, I'm from Brampton. So, you know, working out of like Second Cup and Starbucks and stuff like that. Very small projects. Like I said, someone needs a business card or something like that. And then eventually when I moved downtown again, I op- we went to the co-working space, went to the desk there. And that was how I started to be a little bit more 
cautious of what these things cost and, and all that. Um, but yeah, ultimately, like, there's a pretty big jump from, like I said, uh, working in that environment to working in the, you know, office environment. Was there any fear associated to taking that leap? I would say no, because there was a there was a point in time when I was in that grind of, you know, going to cafes and whatnot and always being kicked out because they close and, like, issues with not having a, a plug or a Wi-Fi or the person can't meet you and all these crazy things where I was, for some reason, I was just had like a month where I was like feeling super down about everything and I was still working and still going out every single day and I didn't really realize what was going on. So that was when it triggered me to like, you know, I was like, I'm only working on other people's projects. I'm not doing anything for my brand or for my company and I'm not putting anything out there. And, and so I realized as a creator that I need to have that source of creative expression. So when I came up with the model of now creative group, I was like immediately motivated again. And that's when I forced myself to rent that desk at the coworking space that was like, okay, I have a company address now. I have somewhere to send my, you know, my invoices and my bills from and whatnot. And I have, I have an expense. So like I need to be here. Right. So that was a turning point where I started taking the the company a lot more seriously. And that motivation came back, that drive came back and, uh, being around those startups and those entrepreneurs in the corking space was huge. Like we ended up working with like nine, 10 of those startups as clients eventually over the two years that we were in that co-working space. Wow. Good to know. If anyone's <laughs> listening, co-working spaces are where it's at. It's a really good place to start. Yes. So what do you see as the future then for Toronto's startup ecosystem? That's a big one. Actually, a couple of our clients are getting us to do um, content about the startup ecosystem in the city. So I've been wow. thinking a lot about that. Um, I think for me, I'd love to see it more collaborative. I'd love to see, you know, for example, like the design community um, interacting with people who are doing um, like UX, UI design, right? Apps and 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 I f- feel like these are all very separate worlds. And I also feel like a lot of the players that are out there, let's say an established freelancer in communications or PR, for example, they're like getting left behind because all these new startups are coming in and they're just taking all the fire and they're taking the funding and they're, they're flashy and they're in the news. But there's actually a ton of amazing people that um, are already existing that – I guess people could work with, right. And collaborate with. So I think like Toronto needs to get a little bit better at, you know, highlighting um, the different ecosystems and structures that are there. Like for example, you know, focusing per industry, right. Like highlighting what innovations are happening in the food and hospitality industry and, Mm -hmm. you know, pairing that up with people who are in the marketing and content space. And like, there's a lot of connections that need to be made basically. Uh, People are definitely working in in silos for sure. Being experienced more so in the tech industry, Mm -hmm. I've definitely seen that because the tech industry is almost like a secluded little sector where everyone (laughs) knows everyone in this sector. But then you go out to the creative space and it's like a completely different world. So completely understand uh, what you're what you're saying there. hundred percent. And that's that's why I've kind of forced my like immersed my team and my company into the tech space. So like we're, you know, we're at Fireside Conference where there's all these like tech leaders and entrepreneurs and founders and like we're there, we're a creative agency, but we're there and we're like, we offered to like do videos for them. And like we go to these conferences and events because we want to inject ourselves into that space and and integrate that. So a lot of times, for example, we'll be at a, we'll have a booth at an event that's like, quote unquote, startups that are typically, they have an idea or they have an app or they have a a product and that's it. 
And the people will come by and ask us, so what exactly do you guys do, right? Because they, they're expecting us to be like, oh, we're the Uber for design or something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like the typical startup answer. But it's like, no, no, we're actually here to collaborate with this type of uh, player in the industry. And we're here to actually um, help grow the space and promote the space and promote what's happening. So um, we do have to explain ourselves a little bit. And um, that's what we, we did recently. We were at um, a really big conference that uh, called Takeover, which was last week. So Takeover Innovation Conference was actually put on by an agency. And they decided to put this on to showcase all the amazing things that are happening in the innovation ecosystem in Toronto. Um, one of our clients was there as well, and they're an innovation team for a big bank, for example. So it was super cool for us to have this booth there and to be able to interact with people. As a creative startup, do you think that people don't really take creative startups as seriously as like tech startups? Because it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like creative startups were like making content, you know? Yeah. Whereas like, I guess when people view tech, they're like, oh, they're innovating the world. I feel like as as Origins, we are a creative agency, but we feel like we're like changing the world a little bit too. Absolutely, like yeah, the, the stories have to be told, right? Mm-hmm. So there could be all these innovators happening, like all this innovation happening in various incubators, accelerators, co-working spaces around the city, or even in people's basements or whatnot. But we need um, media, we need um, creative agencies, we need communications people to tell that story, and I think that that's underrated for sure. And I also think that. Um, a lot of the startup founders we've met, it's almost like we have to convince them, like, hey, you guys actually have to have social media. Like, I get that. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> it is. I mean, I, I do understand that they are super focused on their idea. Mm-hmm. And that's great. That They need to be. Like, if they're not the ones that are, you know, thinking all about their idea, then who is, right? right? But at the same time, you know, if you don't tell people about it, then what are you building, right? And how do they know? How can they follow that journey? People actually love... Uh, this is what I talked to a lot of my clients about. They love to see the journey, right? Like a lot of um, really cool restaurants and bars now, um, they just pop up one day. They just show up, right? And it takes them a couple months to actually, you know, get into the circuit of um, people knowing they're there, people booking uh, reservations there, people showing up as a regular meeting spot. And so some really cool restaurants and bars now are starting that two or three months before they're creating a brand, they're creating, you know, content and Instagram, uh, a really great Instagram feed without even having opened yet. So that's kind of what we what we want to help people do. If you look at Toronto's and just specifically in the food industry, I mm-hmm. mean, there's so many different coffee shops and so many amazing places to eat. You have to brand yourself. Otherwise, what is the differentiator? Why would I choose you over someone down the street that essentially does the exact same thing? <laughs> exactly. And also just from a geographical perspective, like, you know, people will tend to just stick to their neighborhood or what's near their office or school, for example. And you have to do something to get them out there, right? You have to make it trendy, accessible. What's your differentiating factor? So I know, um, for example, you know, some people think it could be gimmicky, but uh, there's the one company that in Toronto that's doing the um, charcoal ice cream. So it's like the black ice cream, right? Yeah. They also like they have the black and purple, whatever. So they um, they have a location, you know, it's pretty west from from downtown. But um, because how because their social media and their branding is so on point, people are actually lining up there. And it, it's crazy to me because I know for a fact that that was started as a side hustle. That was someone who had a full time job who had this who had this idea, and they worked. They actually worked at a creative agency. So yeah, they actually turned the idea into a real thing. And um, a couple of weeks ago, I actually saw they have a pop up inside the Lululemon store in 
uh, on Queen West. So now they're like into the mainstream area. Huge lineup was outside there. Wasn't free, still had to buy it, but there's a massive line. And that shows you that, you know, you really have to bring people's attention and uh, do something to stand out. Exactly. I actually saw that like a couple weeks ago. I was like, what's this lineup for? (laughs) (laughs) And the lineup wasn't even for just the first day. That's the crazy thing is like I talked to people in line and they they was like week three and the line was still there. So um, it just goes to show you that, you know, with the right hype and the right branding, um, you could you could totally make a splash. On a more serious note, what's your definition of success? (laughs) Um, I think, well, I guess there's personally and then there's for the agency. Right. So for me personally, it's more about finding people that I can work with and brands that I can work with that um, are aligned with some of my goals and some of my visions. And that's more along the lines of empowering people to, um, you know, live out their passion and start something. So I'm a huge advocate for, you know, starting your own thing. But but only if you have that real burning desire to do so, right? Not just for the sake of, oh yeah, everyone should have a side hustle or everyone should have, you know, everyone should be a creative entrepreneur, right? So for me, my my one of my goals is to mentor a lot of the youth um, that are aspiring entrepreneurs, especially ones that are aspiring um, social entrepreneurs because the world needs a lot more um, people who are focusing on the problems we have and not just the trendy, flashy, fun things, right? Because you can put the same amount of effort into both of those things types of businesses, but one actually moves our society forward and helps people in need. And one just, you know, helps people spend their money basically. Right. So it's, it's a big thing. Not a lot of people are talking about it, um, in the, in the mainstream media, but there are some really great, um, startups and social enterprises that are focusing on those issues. Yeah. It's definitely needed in the ecosystem, especially if you look at all the issues that are going on in the yep. world today. I'm not going to get into that today because <laughs> I think that's a whole other podcast on itself. But... Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but there, but there are some startups that are, you know, there's two, there's two routes, right? There's one is like you build a big company or a startup. Your goal is to make it a big company so that you can have a big impact by either donations or by social purpose, right? The second option is your actual business model is to make an impact, right? So there's, there's those two different approaches. A lot of times people end up doing, you know, the impact route becomes a nonprofit. And the problem is they can't sustain themselves long term. So they end up having to stop doing it. And that's really unfortunate because, you know, that work is needed for sure. So I think if, um, yeah, if I can encourage young people to, to kind of think of like an innovative solution that is, again, a combination of like having a positive impact and generating revenue um, to sustain it, then that's what I would love to do. All right. So final question for today. Mm-hmm. At Origins, we have a tagline and it's be the now. So we're just wondering what be the now means to you. <laughs> Considering my company is called now. Um, I think so I for. Be yeah. Yeah. Because for us, um, we always talk about create the now. And that's like one of our taglines. So I think I think it's very um, in line with each other. But for me, um, be the now is focusing all your energy and effort on what you want to create because like for me being the now is creating something right i'm always thinking about creating what i can put together who i can collaborate with who i can work with um so be the now is creating something because if we don't create something now then what is the future there's no there's no future right great well thank you for joining us today no problem it was it was awesome super fast super quick but uh yeah hopefully there's some value oh definitely (laughs) well thank you for listening to hustle harder see you guys next time